my dear friends. Redemption in Christ Jesus is here and available this very moment. Yes, that's what I said. Redemption is available to all those who admit they have sinned and ask God for forgiveness. The promise of God is that he will not only forgive our sins, but he will cleanse us from every unrighteousness. I hope you are doing well, my dear friends, and that the Lord is with you and blessing you in your family, in your personal life, in your businesses, in your ministry as well, and in your very personal lives. God is good. All the time he is good and he is absolutely, absolutely kind. He's so uh, generous as well. Let us stick close to him and we shall receive all the benefits that are due from him to us. Today we will continue with our study of the Word of God. And our study is from Psalm number 8, the eighth Psalm. Before we read the Bible, let us pray. Dear loving Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we humble ourselves before your throne of grace. We seek grace. We seek the capacity, O oh God, to do your will, to live as you, you would have us live. Now we are ready to hear your word. We are ready to be taught. Our prayer is give the grace to allow you to change our lives, to make us the persons you want us to be. Amen. Amen. So our reading is Psalms number eight, Psalm number eight, the eighth Psalm, the Psalm of David, the Psalm of David, uh, Psalm number eight. Shall we read? Um, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to be silenced, to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are so mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. Praise the Lord, God Almighty. That is the word of the Lord. 
So the question we are asking ourselves this morning, arising from the scripture we have just read, is a simple question, who am I? Who am I? Now on one occasion, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say I am? And they gave him some names, which all of which were wrong. Now, after they had answered, Jesus again asked, what about you? Who do you say I am? Peter responded and, uh, and answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus was pleased. He was actually amazed with Peter's answer and he blessed Peter there and then. Matthew 16, verses 13 to 16. In this eighth psalm, David wonders, who is man that God should be so concerned about him? In contrast, or shall we say in comparison with the vastness of the universe, the millions of stars, nor the galaxies, the sun, the moon, and all the planets that God has created. Man is so small, so insignificant. Surely God must have more important work to do than to waste time minding this little creature called man. Now the question, who am I? is as old as history itself. And the question is an expression of man's search for identity, for significance, for purpose. Now, David says in verse three, when I consider your heavens, the work of your hand, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you care for him? Now, this question is uh, most important for us today. It's been asked, as I said, over the centuries, but it is particularly important for us today for the reason that most of our social institutions, including government itself, tend to treat people um, either as mere statistics or as tools necessary for the accomplishment of their programs. So, who is man or who am I? Now, according to the Bible, man is unique, is a unique being, created in the image of God. Furthermore, man is fearfully and wonderfully made. Genesis chapter 1 verse, verse 27 reads, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That should settle the question, but, that, but there is more. Now to crown it all, God appointed man to rule and to exercise authority 
over all that God had created, of all, over all created things, by virtue of bearing God's image and likeness, man is, pre is presented as a unique being of greater worth than any other created being. The evidence of this unique status is that God invested man with at least five qualities or five capacities that are unique, that are unique only to man. Number one, man is blessed with a gift of reason or rationality. Let's call it reason for the sake of simplicity. God gave us the capacity to think and to reason and to evaluate ourselves and where necessary to correct ourselves and to improve on our status. That is, we are self-conscious and self-critical. That is why we should be ashamed when we behave like a mule or some other creature which has no understanding. The Bible says we shouldn't do that. Number two, God has given man moral choice. Now, God gave man the capacity to make moral choices. That means human beings are moral beings. Therefore, man is able to tell the difference between what is right and what is wrong. Uh, capacity number three, creativity. We are creative creatures. By God's own design, we are created, we are creative creatures. At creation, God appointed man to be his steward, to be steward of the natural environment with the responsibility to subdue and develop the environment for the common good. To be able to do this, man was equipped with innovative skills through science and art. That is to say, God, the creator, not only created us in his image, but he also gave us the capacity to be creators. That is why we are able to draw pictures and, and drawings and paint. That's why we are able to create, um, to make music, build houses and cars, write books, cook food, and send you know, rockets uh, uh, to, to the moon and the planets. Number four, God gave us the capacity to love. God created them, male and female, as we have seen, with the responsibility to reproduce themselves, you know, by having children. Animals mate, but they do not love. They, they, they mate in order to reproduce, but they have no love. The capacity to love is unique to human beings. As God's image bearers, we love as God loved us. It is written, we love because God first loved us. Number five, uh, our capacity number five is our thirst, our unquenchable thirst for God. The psalmist says, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants after you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, according to Psalm number 42, 1 and 2.
all human beings are aware of God's existence. In one, I mean, and, and that is in one form or another. Uh, all human beings are, are aware of God's existence in one form or another and have always wanted to have a relationship with God and to worship Him. Therefore, we see all around us the emerging religions, many religions. We see people worshipping, you know, their God in various forms, idols, mountains, trees, and other shapes and sizes of, of things. And then there are cults everywhere, religious cults everywhere. Now without God, we are lost. To know God and have a relationship and worship Him is our greatest honor in life. We are most complete when we worship God. So that is very, in very simple terms, what man is in the eyes of God. Now, how do we then apply this to ourselves? How do we understand uh, what we have just said and uh, what else, I mean, the, and, and everything else that is written about man in the Bible? Now, uh, the circumstances of our life today are such that um, many people have been reduced into a state of helplessness, misery, and despondence. Many of us seen nothing good in this life and nothing to thank God for. Some have lost their sense of self-worth, significance, and purpose. The evidence of this sorry situation may be seen in the ever-increasing rise in cases of mental illness, crime, domestic violence, abortion, suicide, murder, drug abuse, and general lawlessness. Now, the big question is, do we really have to live like this? Do we have a justification? Or, I mean, to steal, kill, or commit suicide, or hurt other people? David was a man who had experienced many troubles, sorrows, and, 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 very, and dangerous situations throughout his life. He was not in any way a perfect man. Yet God says of him, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. David survived his troubles by remaining focused on God. One example is the scripture we are now reading. In Psalm number eight, David celebrates God's mighty power as a creator of all things. In verses one and nine, David says, that is at the beginning, verse one, at the beginning, and the last line in verse nine, God, um, David says, O Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Our responsibility, dear friends, from the creation is 
to bear God's image on earth. As such, we are to take care of God's creation and to manage God's affairs. We are his children and heirs. And, 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 um, and his ambassadors. Let me say also his ambassadors. And so let me say therefore this, that the various crises we are facing now all over the world reflect our failure to discharge our God-given responsibilities with care. We have failed where David succeeded. Now in verse 1b of, of the Psalm number 8 that we are reading, David celebrates God's glory. He says, you have set your glory above the heavens. And in the same manner, in verse 8, he celebrates the glory of man. He says, you made him a little lower than the heavenly, heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Therefore, dear, my dear brothers and sisters, the identity of man is made quite clear and distinctive right down from the creation and throughout scripture. Our identity is defined by our relationship with God. So the sad reality is this, number one, God intentionally created us in his own image to be like him and to live with him in his paradise forever and ever, amen. Number two, sadly, man intentionally sinned and, uh, uh, against God and was separated from God. Number three, man is disqualified from living with God as a result of his fallen nature. That said then, what answer do we take home? Who am I? You know, this is the question I'm, I should ask myself. Who am I? And that's a question everybody should ask themselves. Who am I? This is the question we set out to answer right from the beginning. It is another way of asking who is man as David does. It defines the identity crisis facing humanity, humanity today. Now David says, God made man just a little lower than the heavenly beings and invested in this man his own glory. This, therefore, you know, the, the, the blessing of bearing God's image is to have, you know, a second ranking to be positioned as number two in, you know, in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the nature of things and to rule, to be God's representative, God's viceroy and ambassador here on earth. It means therefore that man is in charge and in control on behalf of God of all things here on earth and everything that occurs here in heaven and that, or doesn't happen, man is responsible and he's answerable to God. Quite some responsibility, don't you think? This is what the blessing of being or bearing God's image uh, means, my dear friends. Man has God's glory and God's authority as it was at the beginning. And that is how important man is in God's plans. Physically, 
in the natural order of things. Man is secondly, second only to God, I've already said that, just a little lower than he the heavenly beings. Therefore, we read in Psalm number 115, verse 16, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man or to children of man. God has given the earth to man as his inheritance. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 5. So the only thing that keeps man apart from God is sin. We need a solution for our sin. Which of, I mean a solution which offers both a cleansing from pollution of sin and a new heart. And the only solution that can achieve this end is the one that is called redemption. Mercifully, God who created us in his image sent Jesus Christ to redeem us from the bondage of sin and to reconcile us to God. That's why he had to die and shed his blood for the sake of redeeming us. The word redeem means to regain possession of something in exchange for payment. For, for example, um, you know, one has mortgaged land to take a loan and you have left the title to the land with the banker of the lender. Now, that title will be held there until you pay all the debt. So, so you regain a mortgaged land from the lender when their debt owed to the lender is fully paid. We are not able to pay the debt for our sins because we are sinners in the first place. But thank God, Jesus paid it all. He paid it all for you and for me and for the whole world. He paid our debt by dying on our behalf, but he rose again and ascended to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit who is able to enter our personality and change us from within. That way, we are fully redeemed. We become his. He has purchased us by his blood. Our sins are forgiven and the indwelling Holy Spirit continually sanctifies us from within. By this process, we will one day be perfected at last. Amen? My dear friends, redemption in Christ Jesus is here and available this very moment. Yes, that's what I said. Redemption is available to all those who admit they have sinned and ask God for forgiveness. The promise of God is that he will not only forgive our sins, but he will cleanse us from every unrighteousness. God will adopt you as his child and give you the right to be called a child of God. Are you willing to receive this wonderful gift of salvation right here and now? My friend, if you're not already born again, know this, the time is running out. We never know when Christ is likely to return. But let me tell you, 
the truth according to what is written in the Bible, it will be a terrible time when Christ returns for all those whose names are not written in his book of life. So why waste time? Why live so dangerously, so recklessly, I should say? Why don't you give your life to Jesus right now? Invite him into your heart. Tell him, Lord, I have sinned, forgive me. And that's all he asks, that you recognize him as God, the Son of God, who saves and forgives sins and gives new life and a new heart. If you, if you do that, my friends, you will have uh, answered the question, who am I? Or what is man that God should be so concerned about him? Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we have heard the message. It is up to us now to respond by accepting the forgiveness that you freely give to all of us. Let those who are willing, let whosoever will come to you, O God, and receive that salvation today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.